Hi, I'm Dr. Jillian Murphy, a naturopath, healthy-ish lifestyle architect, body joy seeker, and French fry activist. And you're listening to 100% healthy-ish. Here's the thing. As a naturopath and an intuitive eating health at every size health coach, I have seen every angle and end of the health conversation. And after years of clinical and coaching experience, I've developed a framework for feeling good and having fun that I know you're gonna love. To be healthy-ish, we move beyond the boring basics and consider some ish you have never thought of before when it comes to your health. Are you ready? It's gonna be fun. Let's go. I could not be more excited to share today's episode with Lisa Lavoie. Lisa is a naturopathic doctor who has shifted into doing some really deep human design work. And I have been immersing myself in human design for a couple of years, and it is an incredibly big and foundational part of the healthy-ish framework. Understanding how we work energetically and what our needs are in a really different framework and with a really different perspective than what we've been using when it comes to approaching health and food and movement and managing energy has been so life-changing for me. And I think that it is just so important as we move into this healthy-ish sphere. When we continue to use old models and old perspectives on food and movement, it's really difficult to get out of the old conditioning, the all-or-nothing thinking, the restrictiveness, the weight-based approach. It's very difficult. Human design offers us up something completely new and different. I particularly love talking with Lisa because um, in a world that is focused on fixing what's wrong with you, she uses human design to give a Cliff's Note version of everything that is right about you. One of the things that she says in the episode is that 100% of the time when she is working with someone, the pain point that they have, the biggest source of pain is 100% of the time connected to their magic and what makes them uniquely, specifically them. And it's the rejection of that magic, the resistance toward it, the conditioning that programs us to believe that the most amazing pieces of ourselves are wrong that encourage us to engage in this old framework that keeps us restricted and stuck and trying to fix things about ourselves when in reality, what we're trying to fix is what's innately right with us, what's magical about us, what's going to lead us in the right direction. And so Lisa says, instead of trying to correct what you think is wrong with you, you know, let's figure out, let's find what's right about you and let's live from there. She believes that human design acts as a map and a curriculum with really practical tools that you can use to get day-to-day aligned in the most effortless way, the most beautiful way for you. Lisa has been a naturopathic doctor for 20 years and her whole focus is on returning women to their bodies to heal their life on all levels. So she fits in absolutely perfectly with this healthy-ish community. She is dedicated to helping women feel their best from a place of abundance and what is right with us. And this conversation about human design is so interesting because we're going to talk about what it is. 
And then we also dive into my human design just to give you a, a really tangible, specific, personal example of what we can learn from someone's human design and how it can be used practically. And I'll say that we just scratched the surface of this. Like we just got into it and then I realized that I had to wrap things up. So I actually booked a session with her right afterwards so I could go even more deep into the details of my human design chart from Lisa's perspective. That is truly my goal for 2023, is to live my human design in a more deep and relaxed way and to allow this journey into my human design to to let me be more playful, to redefine success, to redefine my approach and my process to winning at life and to rethink my connection to money using this to money and health and my body using my human design curriculum. So I'm pretty excited that you get to hear a little bit of that, a little kickoff of that. And I'm also incredibly excited to say that if you decide to come and work with me and I'm going to be talking more about my healthy-ish program a highly customized and concierged approach to your health, where I'm going to create the most detailed, beautiful, incredible blueprint for what you need to feel your best in your body and in your life. And then I'm literally going to concierge a team of experts, and we're all going to come together in this really beautiful, methodical way to work you through everything you need to have in place to feel amazing in your skin and to manage whatever health condition you currently have in a juicy, abundant way. I'm calling this the cashmere and chocolate sauce of health plans. And Lisa is going to be one of the expert collaborators. And I'm actually toying with the idea, you know, originally when I first started to develop this program, everyone was going to get to work with me and two expert collaborators in these different areas of like space and place and sensuality and cycles and body and mind and soul. And I'm now thinking that everyone needs a session with Lisa when they sign up for Healthy-ish. And then you'll also get to pick two expert collaborators. So tune in, take a listen to this, um, and just know that this is such a fundamental foundational part of being healthy-ish and having a new framework for approaching the way that we live in our bodies. Okay, enjoy. Okay, digging right into it with Lisa. This is going to be, Lisa, just so that you know, one of the first episodes that goes live in 2023. So we're recording. It's like five sleeps to Christmas Eve. There's lots going on. Um, and we're going to talk about human design today, which I'm so excited to do. And we're going to talk about how human design can be used to give us a lot of information about our health and about pursuing health. But the other thing that I think is so interesting about Lisa and that connects me to Lisa in a really interesting way is that Lisa was a naturopathic doctor and we were actually at CCNM at the same time, our schooling overlapped. So mm -hmm. um, Lisa, why don't you kick this off by telling us a little bit about you and how you switched from naturopathic medicine into human design. And then we can talk more about what human design is. Yeah, cool, cool. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so I think my story started out like a lot of people's in sto stories in that 
with the best of intentions. I just wanted to feel better in my body. And yeah. so very early on, I had by grade school, I had chronic pain and chronic fatigue and even depression at that point. And so very early on, my body was not, you know, was not happy. And also very early on learned that MDs were very, very limited. I remember I have a distinct uh, memory of being in my MD's office when I was 12. And I looked at him and I'm like, oh, you have no idea what you're talking about like with my, with my body. And so I went to look for my own answers to sort of how my journey started. And at the same time, I also had the, as the tween who wasn't super happy with her body and other people look different. And so I ended up having that health journey and the body journey very tangled together. And then um, that's sort of what sent me to naturopathic school was to find my own answers. And for the most part, I found a lot of possible answers, but I also personally got sicker and crazier and more desperate with why I wasn't feeling better. And then having these two sort of competing things is like, I want to be healthy and I have certain certain intentions for how I want my body to look. And that was all that was all tangled up. And so the people I work with tend to have had a similar experience where their health got wrapped up with body image stuff and looking for answers in the health practices, especially food and exercise and mindset, but just finding themselves getting more obsessed, more restricted, more tangled, more hopeless, and not really feeling all that much better. So I hit a wall several years ago where there was no more energy to take care of myself. I had to let go. I had to let go of all of the things that I thought I wanted and how I was going to get there. And then the big realization hit me that this, which now I understand is sort of the toxic wellness, toxic self-care cultures, like this doesn't work. So now what? Which was terrifying. It was terrifying because you always had the strategies. It's like, if I don't feel good, I can jump into this strategy and at least I'll feel like I'm doing something. Um, so it's a super scary place, but I love to work. This is where I love to work with people at, at this place of like, I know this doesn't work anymore. And now what? Like, what's the tangible step out of this sort of spin cycle? And in that spin cycle is such a pivotal place because we get triggered, the symptoms flare or the pants don't fit. And then our nervous system just knee jerks us back into what it knows, even though that can never work. And we intellectually know that can't work. So that's what I call the fix it, fuck it cycle. Which where, I love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like we think something is wrong with us that needs to be fixed. It sends us out into the world, assuming somebody else has our answer. That answer can never work for us. We feel like we failed. And then we're like, fuck it. I might as well just eat pizza for the rest of my life. Like, and yeah, so we're, yeah. It's we're, that the way that restriction and binge show up in the multitude of ways in our life, including information seeking, yes, solution seeking, yeah. miracle seeking, yeah. and the intelligence in that. Because when I'm working with somebody, I always want to. Everything's intelligent. Everything that's yeah. that's correct, positive, positively intentioned, no matter how painful. But there is a there is an intelligence in the fix it fuck it cycle, right? There's survival strategies and like the even the obsession and the looking. We all have to look at it from in the right context. This actually makes perfect sense why it's why it's going on. So like the fix it fuck it cycle is not wrong. There's an intelligence, but it also doesn't get us where we want to want to go but the good news is is that you don't have to fix it or fuck it like there's a third clear path <laughs> um and I think that's something that you and I share it's like okay as we left this model it's like okay but uh like 
now what now you know what is what is the tangible path out of this because the fix it and fuck it's very tangible but it's like okay if I'm not doing either of those what am I doing and I think it's also important to know that the two big things that the two huge false assumptions that sort of allow this toxic cycle or toxic wellness to exist is this idea that I need to be fixed and somebody outside me has my fix has better answers yeah yeah. So so it's a recipe of using info that's not for you for a problem that you don't have, which is the recipe for the current wellness culture, right? And it can only backfire. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit more about that idea of the problem you don't have. But one of the things that you said in there that I think is really interesting and would be really relatable if we could just like name it even more clearly, because I think some people <laughs> don't even know that it's happening. Oh, I hear a little puppy. Um, is this idea like... Sometimes people engage, like you said, there's an intelligence to this fix it, fix it, fuck it cycle, right? Which is like, sometimes I'm in such a hole and I don't know where to go and I don't know what the solution is. And so this saves me in the moment, right? This idea of like finding a plan outside of myself, engaging in restriction on some level. Um, It feels good initially because it saves us from despair, and yes. giving up it provides I'm doing something hope, yeah. right yep. hope. which I think yep. is what is I have I have articulated I've talked about before the fact that I think that that's one of the most addictive parts of the diet culture cycle yep. right and why it's so alluring why we want to get sucked back it's hopeful yeah and it's tangible and it's clear and the problem truly is that 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 the contrast of fix it to fuck it can feel so jarring in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then long-term it, it takes more from us than it actually gives. Right. So it's like a, it's, it's not a great coping mechanism. It, it'll help us. It'll help yeah. us short-term, but in the long-term we end up feeling exhausted. And I just feel like that's important to name because I think that um, people will say, yeah, but when I first started that plan, that diet, it felt so good. Yeah. And there's a lot of reasons. It feels good because you feel proactive. It feels good sometimes just because you're ticking the boxes of the things that yep. you should be doing to take yep. care of yourself, right? You've been taught for 30, 40, 50 years that cutting out sugar and being on a cleanse is a good thing for you yep. to do for your body. So it feels yep. good to think that you're doing the thing that's good for your body. But yep. we really need to like also label and hone in on like not only do diets not work necessarily when it comes to like managing our body weight but they also exhaust us when it comes to taking care of our health yeah well and I think too the bigger sort of in that I've learned in my work is that you know it's an exhausting cycle but the biggest thing it's doing is it's furthering the disconnection and the trust in ourselves because if I'm the one that's continually failing I can't sustain this thing and if we've got you know if we're trying to fix something like you know for example like binge eating emotional eating incredibly intelligent and well-intentioned um, but if we've got our mind on this is a problem that I have that I need to fix we'll shadow box that forever and feel like we're failing and feel like we can't be trusted and and that's where it's like the binge eating is the is the intelligent solution at the moment and so that's that's what I'm talking about when I said there there isn't a problem to be fixed is like everything in context makes sense and but if we try to keep moving the puzzle pieces around to think this thing that needs to be fixed which doesn't need to be fixed because it's a positively intentioned intelligent solution it's like it just keeps us in that crazy and feeling like we're failing ourselves and right so that idea that like binge eating 
actually, when we take a step back and look at it, is this really incredible way that our body's preventing us from what it thinks is starvation, right? There's so many like, things. There's yeah. many, many reasons, but I've never, I've yet to meet in my own practice, somebody who has a binge eating or emotional eating problem. We can track it right to, this is an intelligent solution because of X, Y, Z. And sometimes it's the way that you're spending energy. Sometimes it's the way that right. you are restricting. Sometimes right. it's, you've got stuff, you know, from a human design angle, you've got stuff in your chart that this is going to be your number one coping mechanism when you're out of your depths for whatever. Right. And so just to understand right. that it is, it is not a shortcoming. It is not a problem. And it's a way it's, to regulate. Yeah, and and like, regulate. And, right. And then, like I was saying, and I think you're saying the same thing. It's about, like, I'll talk about this with people all the time. Like, we want to make sure that we're engaged in things that, that just like the deck, like the, if we're doing the math, <laughs> the, the health math, the energy math on it, in the end, it's not taking more from us than it's giving. And if that's what's happening long-term, then it's yeah. like, we have to reevaluate that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And even as a naturopathic doctor in my practice, I just came to the place where it's like, on paper, with all of my mental stuff that I've learned over my life and all the diagnostic, it's, it's like, I can't actually know what this person needs. You know, it's like, I could, I could make the best of the protocols. And this is one of my, you know, big pet peeves in the industry, but I could make the best protocol. And that person either couldn't follow it for whatever reasons, there's things that kept them away from following it and using information that was good for them, or they could follow it to a T and nothing happened. And it's like, it's like, that's where sort of human design came in for me. It's because it's like, I could see why something worked for somebody. And when we're looking out there at the toxic wellness world and we're looking at the influencers and their lives were changed and they're like preaching these things, it's like, it worked for them for reasons. And it's the same reasons why it's not going to work for you. You know, and I don't know if you found this in your work, but I tend to find across the board, it's going to work for about 25% of the people, like whatever it is, you know, and then we've got 75% of the people that it's either going to do nothing for, or it's actually going to harm them to, 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 to engage to. in that same, that same protocol. Yeah. yeah. No, I found the exact same thing. Like I, I yeah. have talked a lot about this idea that, you know, the people that are out there writing these health books or these like weight loss books are people, people for whom, for whatever reason, and like you said, there's a multitude of reasons, mm -hmm. a specific eating plan and lifestyle has worked for them and to date has not caused enough harm for them to question right. it <laughs> because we know all too well, yeah. like there are people that I followed in paleo days who for years promoted paleo and then come out with like a new book or a new, whatever being like, yeah. here's all the ways that the paleo was killing me yeah. and hurting me. Right. So now I'm vegan. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it's like, it's like, it's either going to work for them indefinitely because they have this I call it like a magical formula that, that makes them just right for that plan. Um, or it's just working for them right now. And, mm -hmm. and we're, we're not going to see the negative side effect until they actually take time to dig into it. If yeah. they ever, if they yeah. ever take the time to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's like, that's what my whole work is about how like helping people figure out what their body needs. And the thing is like, one of the things that you said earlier that I was like, Oh, like, there's this third clear path. And, and for me, I love that you're like, it's clear because I feel like I'm still managing yeah. with so many people, the muddiness of this third muddiness. path, yeah. which is like, it's much harder to buy into something that's not prescriptive. 
in terms of like step one, step two, step three, step four, that's the same for everybody. Yes, because that's the safety mechanism. That's right. what we know. That's where we can, you know, seek that solace that I'm doing something and this is it. And um, and it's really scary. I mean, that took me a couple of years to to be able to let go of that, to to be able to see it, to let go of it, and to not be terrified in that space of when something is not going the way that I want it, to not knee jerk out into somebody else's five step plan. That that in itself is work right there because that is so attractive there's so much safety and I think one of the things you know that place and I think why it's so muddy and for me sort of the place that I've gotten to in my work is to understand that from the sort of core um, thing that's going on whether we're going to call it like pain or autoimmune or weight issues or you know things that we're calling eating problems is that the things that's going on is that we are so separated from ourselves from every angle throughout our life. We have Agreed. been removed from our own Agreed. intelligence. We have been removed from our body. And this is what Gabor Mate calls the traumatic tension. It's like, so we have this space between who we actually are and who the world trained us to be. And that tension, it's a really, it's an actual biochemical dissonance where it's changing the way our hormones working. What are our values? What's our perception, our blood flow. So so many of our mental, emotional, physical symptoms and behaviors are blooming up out of this gap. And that's where human design came in. And it's just, I find it so magical because the main thing it's doing is closing that gap. gap. And it's moving us back into ourselves because the main reason I think that it's scary to not outsource our intelligence because we don't trust ourselves. We don't think we have answers And one of the main things that will sort of perpetuate that is like, if we're to sit down and create a unique path for ourselves is we have to be able to answer the million dollar question, who am I? Which is huge. And then the trillion dollar question is who am I not? What parts of me are making decisions that aren't even me? Because then when we're making a unique path and we're trying to make this unique path, it's going to feel really muddy because we're likely actually just building from exhaustion or fear strategies or rebellion or nervous system dysregulation. And then we create this path that's supposed to be our unique path and it fails again and it doesn't feel good. And it's like, and then we just, again, don't trust ourselves. So it's like, we really have to answer that. Who am I and who am I not question, which is what human design is does in the most precise, magical, practical way. And so that filled in that gap to muddiness for me. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk, I want to talk about human design in one minute, but just one other thing I wanted to say on that note is that that has been one of the biggest teachings for me when it comes to intuitive eating as well, because it's one thing to say, okay, you need to get in because I totally agree with you. I think so much of the weight and wellness world disconnects us further and further from ourselves teaches us, teaches us that we can't be trusted. And I'm like embarrassed to admit that I totally played into that, you know, that idea of like, if somebody was coming back to me after I put them on a protocol and like, it's worked 10 times and then it's not working all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe you're not following it, or maybe you're not telling me the (laughs) truth, or maybe you're not, you know, and that has been a real, like a shift in, in, in the way that I approach people that I work with, which I think is just so much more, empathetic and compassionate and respectful actually to just believe people (laughs) when they say something isn't working but um but yeah it disconnects us it separates us and so intuitive eating for me was this great like 
okay, let's reconnect you to who you are and to what your body wants. But one of the biggest barriers for people doing it long-term is coming to terms with who they are, who they are. And I think it's and a who big they're not. Word. Yeah. It's a big word. Cause we have been, you know, even we and human design uses the term like conditioning or programming, or we learn to be something that we're not, or we learn to take on values that have nothing to do with our path. And so we're making decisions that are outside of us basically. But I mean, that's from the get-go. We're conditioned through our food supply. We're conditioned through our schools and to like learn the same way, become the same way, have the same, we're conditioned through our media and the visuals and all of that stuff. So from every angle, we're told that this is what a human is supposed to be, look like, success, all of that stuff. And then we've had to rearrange ourselves and like hide parts of us that aren't that or try to be parts that aren't us, which is what's creating so much of the dissonance. And I think to the it's a dissonance and like a distortion that is like all the way down to the cellular level and so the when we think that we're moving with our body or when we think that we're doing I think for me this is what I've seen with people is where where intuitive eating can feel so elusive is that there's louder agendas at play and we can't hear our own intelligence and so we think we're intuitive eating but we're not and it fails and then we have another reason to distressed our bodies and so there's so many I've seen so many and some people aren't even built as intuitive eaters which is crazy I'm not an intuitive eater and so it's yeah. like years I've spent my entire life trying to be like a Barbara Brennan heels of you know hands of light seeing the auras doing all this stuff being an intuitive eater and I'm not built for any of that and so right. it's like right so relieving to let it go. yeah I know I joke I'm like I it's like I, I teach intuitive eating to people who hate intuitive eating you know yeah. <laughs> or like aren't built for it because it's like but yeah, I think that's it. I think that like, and just some specific examples in my work would just be things like, um, you know, someone being able to actually manage taking in a lot of sugar, but they can't. So they get these like hits from their body. And when I say sugar, I mean, carbohydrates, like it could be like fruit yeah. and carbs and bread. And they actually feel kind of okay with all of that, but they can't, they won't allow themselves to trust that messaging from their yeah. body because the world says that's terrible for you or totally have yeah. had so many people who would, their value system is, I don't want to eat animals or animal products, but yeah. their body is saying, I need that. I yeah. need that right now. And so there's like, like you said, there's this dissonance. So anyway, let's, um, let's dive into human design. Tell us a little bit okay. more about what human design is. I'm obsessed with human design, but tell us yeah. what it is and yeah. how it's cleared that muddiness yeah. for you. And I think maybe from the top of that is like, we should also clarify that um, human design can be part of toxic wellness as well. So sure. as everything can everything be, right? can And so, be, yeah. so there can be, it's like, there's a lot of messaging out there that your human design can, you know, get you the money, get you the, you know, purpose, get you this, get you that. And we're using human design to get stuff, which is the pretty much opposite uh, purpose that human design was brought here to be what you get as you move into your human design is you and you get a life that actually feels like your home and there's there's no you know six-figure business or like nothing is going to feel as good as being you right and so you get you and so it's not really this sort of strategic thing that if I apply my human design I'll make the money and find the purpose and get the soulmate that's that's still the mind trying to run the show and we're we're beings that our bodies are know where we're going and our and our mind doesn't so but I think for human design it really when I got to that place of it's not this and it's not this and I have no idea how to get out of here 
besides give up, it's like, that's when human design came into my life. And it's been really the main tool to have this precise way to look at a unique being and, and help them move back into themselves, help them find their sovereignty and their authenticity again. And, you know, from a like description angle, you'll hear human design, you know, described as like a combination of astrology and chakras and quantum physics and biology. And it really is its own entity where it's brought in all these different knowledge systems and it's become a synthesis, which I think speaks to why it is so precise. And my doctor brain fought it for a long time. It's like, <laughs> I'm a doctor. I don't need human design. It's like, that's a party trick. And it's like, but it never fails to blow me away because when we're looking at human design, it's a whole different conversation to the self the, the self-help world that we're in right now. And it's like, we're not even talking about the same subjects most of the time. Like it's irrelevant. These puzzle pieces that we've all been moving around and making ourselves crazy with are almost irrelevant when we sort of get into the human design conversation, which is so Which I relieving. love because those puzzle pieces are so distracting so and they distracting. keep sucking yeah. people into the same solutions same over solutions. and over. Right. Fix bucket. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it starts with that false assumption, you know, the whole toxic wellness starts from the assumption that there is something wrong with me that needs to be fixed and somebody else knows how to do it for me. And it continues to blow my mind about how much more effective it is to focus on what is right about you versus focusing on, on what you think is wrong with you that needs to be fixed. And 100% of the times when I'm doing readings with people is their major pain point or the thing they think about themselves that is completely unacceptable and needs to be changed is 100% connected to their magic. And they're either making their magic wrong or, you know, there's some sort of judgment around there and they're not letting it happen. And, you know, just to see people's, you know, who are in such pain at the end of 45 minutes to 60 minutes to be able to see like, oh my God, like being interrupt interrupting the shame cycle in like 45 minutes. It's like when you can see who you are and who you aren't, there's so many shame stories that just fall instantly. Right. Yeah. And so we have, you know, what human design, you know, we are looking in human design, sort of how your energy works, what part of your body contains your intelligence, how to make a decision. Um, we can get into the deeper layers of like when we start to understand, you know, where and why your body's going to break down and, and then what's the actual solution to that body part. Um, rather than like, again, jumping into the fix it, fuck it cycle, because something's wrong with me. It's more of like, you know, you're making decisions in an incorrect way, or uh, when you have this theme going on, this part of your body is going to show it. And it's just about, you know, we just had this, uh, I have a colleague who, um, similar to you, but much more intense experience, which had tr uh, crazy stomach issues. And it's like, okay, of course, we're going to jump into the food and all that stuff. And in the end, his was connected and his chart showed that his body would attempt to find a solution through throwing up bile through his stomach. And the actual problem wasn't anything to do with the stomach or the food or anything like that. It was that he had sort of one of the themes of his life was he grew up with Catholic guilt and he was making so many decisions based on guilt in his family and he was overgiving and overdoing and there wasn't enough boundaries. And when he had that awareness to start putting boundaries in place and not overusing his energy in ways that he doesn't have energy for gone. His body's like, trying to fix the problem. Yeah. Decades. Of, yeah. It, it was like a migraine stomach, crazy issue that um, 
and it was just gone with mm. with understanding where is this actually coming from why is your body showing us this such a good example of really out of the box approaches to managing health when we would want to get sucked into food restriction <laughs> like yeah. right and and elimination diets and cleansing and all those things so i love that and then the other idea that we had was using some of my chart because i yeah. think that the it's like everyone's human design, their chart, what's happening for them is going to be different. But we yeah. thought that some of the ways that we can make this tangible for people yeah. would be to talk about me and my chart and my health. Um, yeah. And just give people like a little peek behind the curtain of what we can learn about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think t- as far as a tool, because human design basically is a map, right? And it's a map of that. Because I think with enough awareness, we could all move back into ourselves, you know, if we were just able to to do that. And so human design isn't magic in that way, but human design just in such a precise way shows us where we need to do the work, where we need to do the balancing, where a problem is actually coming from how you're spending energy or making decisions versus, you know, what you're eating. Um, and so it really filled that practical gap for that, that muddy part of leaving the, the toxic wellness uh, world mm-hmm. for me. And then I think what's really interesting about your chart, because I've, you know, I've watched you from afar for a long time watching your stories and I find them so engaging because you are such a pure expression of so much of your energy. So that, that feeling of engaging, it's like, and here's a sort of like an innocent example of how we could sort of go into a cycle that's not ours is like, I watch you and it's like, if I didn't know that the enjoyment I was getting out of it was that I was seeing such pure expressions coming out of you and enjoying watching somebody express correctly, then I would think, oh, maybe I need, maybe I need this coziness. Maybe I need this. Maybe I need this. And then, and then I'm trying these things and like, they're not giving me any joy and they're not working. And then making myself wrong again, versus just being able to recognize that you're a unique being expressing these things so beautifully. And it's, that's awesome to watch, right? Yeah, I've had so much. Um, I do know a little bit about my chart. Obviously, I've been yeah. into human design for a while. I hadn't really thought about it like that, though. So that's really interesting from an outside perspective to hear that. But I will say that I've had so much shame around a couple of about the way that my energy works okay. on a couple of different angles. Like, and, and we can talk about you know, the fact that I'm a projector and what these different, these different things are. But the first thing I'll say is that I was really taught that we always had to be working hard that it was a sign of, um, you know, I come from a real bootstrappy family and overwork and um, striving and working hard was considered a badge of honor. And so um, the first thing that I had a lot of shame about was how I would burn out. So I would take on a million things and I would juggle a million balls and I could do, I could do it, right? I, I can do it. Um, but then I would burn out eventually and I, it would all kind of fall apart on me. So the first bits of shame that I had were around kind of burning out repeatedly. Then when I started to like intuitively move into a better Mm -hmm. pattern for myself, which involves a lot of rest, I'm actually like incredibly prolific and productive, but what I need is a ton of rest. And then I found human design and realized that this was like part of who I am. You know, I, I felt a lot of validation, but then I also felt a weird amount of shame for like taking all the rest that yeah. I need and being someone who 
is really productive in a weird way. And people will say, how do you get all this stuff done? And the reality is that my life is actually really spacious. Like yeah. I had like three small naps yesterday in between like, four. so like you said, like from the outside, I would get feedback from people looking in on the way that I run my life. And like, this feels crazy. And how do you do all these things? And kind of envious, but also kind of angry, you know, like if they feel like they need to be able to, like yesterday we hosted three events at our house. I had three naps. <laughs> like I just really did. You know nice. what I mean? Like, like I have found a really good balance of that, but then feeling like an interesting, I I'm getting better about it, but like an interesting rub of feeling like for a couple of years there, I felt like I needed to justify my ability yeah. to do things, to be yeah. really productive in the yeah. way that I am productive. Yeah. So like you said, so like just framing this conversation as like, and, and my whole, this whole healthy-ish conversation, and I talk about it frequently, is resisting the urge to want to take on someone else's formula because yes. it makes you feel good to watch them doing something yeah. that's good for them. Yeah. 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 It's huge. And I mean, and that's a gift that human design brings us because there's literally nobody else who has the same formula as you. And when we look at a human design chart, even not to get confusing, but when you look at a chart, there's there's 64 numbers on that chart. So there's 64 general human traits. And each, just that part of the chart of 64 of these general traits, each of them has over a thousand different ways that they could show up. So 60, and that's just one part of the chart. And yeah. so there's literally no way that anybody else can have your recipe. There's no way that anybody could know, you know? And so the thing with human design is it really is about you know, transmitting the information, getting somebody to understand here's who you really are and who you're not and what supports you and what can't. And then it's up to them from that point, you know, so it, it even sort of leaves the, some people need a little bit of like training wheels to get them some momentum towards their uniqueness. But really after that, I can't know, you know, as much as I could know about a chart, I can't know what your life is going to look like when you start moving as you, but I can give you the signposts and the posters. And as you move into it, you're going to discover it. Um, Cause now you're not living in the fix it, fuck it cycle. But I think for projectors specifically, cause projectors are representing about 20% of the population. So you would have grown up in an 80% population where productivity is actually valuable of the generators. That is how they move. And so if you grew up with generators and got that messaging, then you would have learned, oh, this is what a successful human does. And so when first learning that somebody, they're a projector, most people who are super deeply um, programmed with it, they can actually get mad. They're like, I am a hustler. Like, don't tell me to sit down and wait for the invitation and be spacious. Like it can feel confronting in that way. And then it can feel really confronting. And, and your design specifically is you have several layers in your chart, which makes it able for you to keep up at such a high pace, even though that's not the correct way for you to move through life. And you have several layers in your chart because most projectors, their bodies burn out quite quickly if they're if they're they burn out in their 20s and 30s and they have health issues and um and it can be a long recovery for them because you know and productivity is a long recovery for people. But you have reasons in your chart why a why that would have become your mo a why it feels shameful to burn out and why it feels shameful to rest. But those are actually the kind of uh, reliable steps that we see with projectors is first there's the shame I'm burning out and then when we move into ah rest and space is part of the way that I go and then there's the guilt about 
rest and space. And then you see how valuable that is. And sort of that's what heals the shame around the the rest and space. But you do have the ability in your design to act like a generator and a manifester for a long time and think it's okay before your body is going to show you that it's Which not I okay. Felt, yeah. And I have one daughter that's a projector and I don't think she has that in her chart. It would be, I don't know. I'd have to look at it, but yeah. Um, so I have to be more mindful because I can yeah. push, you know, whereas yeah. I don't think she can. Right. And, right. and she's so many times as a very young child has expressed the need for more space in her schedule, more free time yes. after school, more yeah. days off. She's a kid yeah. who, who intuitively asks for time off school yes. and seems to really need it. Yeah. Um, school is not built for projectors or projectors no, are not built for school. Yeah. No. And I, and she, she does well at school, but you know, um, I, I want to jump in and be like, suck it up, <laughs> just do it. And then I'm like, no, yeah. I need to be yeah. more respectful of this way yeah. that she manages yeah. her energy. Yeah. 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 And really teaching the kids because human design was actually brought here for kids. And then they oh, realized really? that the only way to get to kids, because it was here so that we could bring up a being and that being could stay itself. But now we've got a planet of adults who have no idea who they are and then they're raising kids. And so now we have to get the adults sort of on board to understand, you know, what it, what it is and to allow, you know, as, as parents, we're, we're more stewards than we are parents that know better than, you know, something else, especially if we're very different. But, you know, it's really teaching a young projectors that the value is in your insights and the way that you see the world and to ask them questions and like what do you think about this how would you do this because projectors are here bringing a different way and this idea this hustle productivity model is not something that you can't keep up with it's something that is outdated for for how you do it and so like we don't want to fit the kid into like this is the way that the institution works we really want to honor and, and allow that and kids are so attached to their design they're they're you know, doing it quite naturally. And then we teach them, we teach them out of it, but. Right. Um, okay. So what else yeah. about my, let's talk about my, yeah. so I'm a projector. Do you want to talk a little bit about what projectors are and then get into some specifics about? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the projector thing, well, you're so, when we look at, you know, who you are versus who you aren't, who you are is really interesting because you are really here as a um, practical disruptor. So you're here as somebody who deeply studies something that fascinates you. And then you create out of the box solutions for, for, for things that will actually work. Right. Versus we're looking at like, and, and I have a same aspect in my design. And when I'm looking at somebody who's using, you know, they've got this really elaborate solution or program and it actually doesn't work or it's got way too many things in it. Like it's, it's just not practical, but one of the things as you trade out productivity as self-worth, it's like one of the things that is most fulfilling for you is to be able to do this practical disruption, to re be really able to distill things down into an out-of-the-box solution that actually works for people. And you're specifically meant to be working with the body and, and self-love issues, oh, right? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in the, in the way that you know, self-love is not, self-love self -love is not bubble baths and bunny slippers. Self-love mm -hmm. is this work of who am I? And then being okay with who I am and being able to show up as me in the world. And it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a path. It's and, interesting but how we like baby step our way sometimes slowly into things. And you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. funny how I ended up here. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, when I look at your design, because so much of your, who you are, you express it so directly. And 
And then you've spent so much of your time um, doing that as a generator. And I'm like, oh my God, what is her, what is she going to look like when she's moving as a true projector? And then all of this definition in your chart is still, it's like, it's going to be like, okay, well tell me how could I, how could I move like more like I'm supposed to move in the world? I'm interested in this. Um, well, this is, so it's like, this is sort of the first layer of human design is like how your energy works and everything in your human design chart is here for you. So it's not here limiting you, right? Just because projectors need rest, that doesn't limit them in any way. Right. Um, it's just showing you how you're going to get things done your way. And so the biggest thing is really, you've done a, a lot of it is like plugging yourself, unplugging yourself from the shame and bringing in the rest in the space. And the toughest part for a projector is because you learn to be a generator and generators are built with a natural stop button when they're doing the productivity and they're in it and they're loving it and they eventually drain their tank and they're done. You as a projector do not have that stop gap, which is why oh, it's like right. the biggest shadow of a projector is you don't know when enough is enough. You don't know when to I, stop. I, do you know I more say all the more. time? <laughs> I, I say all the time. It's so funny. I'm like, I have no off button. I don't have an off button. Don't have an off button. You have I, to. I literally do not have an off button. Don't have it. So you have to create that it. for yourself. Right. 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 And so right. like I've seen projectors with like, they'll just keep adding, you know, things onto the end of their day. They'll take another, oh, I could fit another client in. I could do this and I could do this, but you have to set the solid parameters and really a projector. It's a, it's a, um, it's a really, it's figuring out your balance between output because your projectorness is like your special sauce is available by recognition only. And so that means that people can see who you are, what you offer in a special, unique way. And they want, they want you. And so this is why it's so it's a, a big skill of projectors to learn to recognize when that recognition for me and what I want to be recognized is, is in this interaction. And this can be where it can be hard for you to be put into a role that anybody could fill. Yeah. Which means that you're now acting as a generator versus you're brought in. It's like you're meant to be in a role that only Jill can fill. And you're meant to be seen by the people who know that. And it, when you get sort of in advanced human design stuff, that's more of a frequency because you hear the, the term like invitation, you need an invitation. And it's not like people are sending you invitations in the mail of like, please work with me. But it is more of a, there's this energetic recognition of who you are. And even in the, you know, you know, the intuitive eating body positivity space is like, you may notice a difference between when somebody comes because you're talking about that topic, they like your price, whatever. And it's like, they would put any coach in that position or any doctor in that position. That's going to be a much less fulfilling sort right. of interaction with that person where the person is coming like, oh my God, there she is. She has what I need and I'm going for her. Yeah. And so that's the, your main success principle is understanding. And your part of that is understanding that your specificity. This is what I do. This is what I'm fascinated in. This is how I see it. This is how, and just spending so much of your time in that and then being findable. So like you're a lighthouse and not a tugboat is how you sort of get where you're going. Right. And th then you're just naturally built to pull in the people who need that specificity from you versus being the doer and the initiator and trying to find and pull in the people and lift them up manually and all that stuff. It's like, it's just being the lighthouse, but really starting to pay attention to where's that recognition. Cause it's one of the things that energizes you as a projector is when somebody comes and sees you and it's not an invitation or recognition like you're a great pizza maker because that's not your special sauce right even if you can make great pizza that's not what you're here doing as a projector 
is you're here to be recognized for your special sauce as a projector. And I joke because I'm a generator and I wish I was a projector, which <laughs> is like always the way it is. Because <laughs> a projector life is so magical. It's like you are here to like roll around in everything you love all day long, spaciousness, fascinations, all of this stuff. And every once in a while, and this is just naturally built into your energy, you don't have to do anything for this. But if you become specific enough and masterful at your craft enough and visible enough, then people, they're like, oh my God, there she is. You're so amazing at that. Will you come and will you help me with that? That's your success path versus I'm the doer, I'm the initiator. Um, and then you pop in and help them and they're successful. And then you pop back out into your little projector world and everybody's happy. Everybody's successful versus like the slog, 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 slog. And so much of your day is a lot of the output of like your genius. It's like a three hour portion for most projectors, unless you're sort of in a, you know, when you're in rolling around information and making things and all of that stuff, that's stuff that does not take necessarily take energy from you but when you're in that interaction with people with your special sauce it's like three hours of the day and then the rest of the day is space study fascinations rest self-care that sort of thing but so just learning to which is hard um, like even as you say that I, it's like my mind is racing already like yeah because I feel that, like death to your nervous system yeah oh yeah there have been so <laughs> many times where I've, I've said I like I feel like a stress addict like I just get myself you are a stress of... addict <laughs> <laughs> you like, are I projectors just got, I just will eliminate enough things from my schedule to slow down the revving that I feel in my body and then I just start and I'm getting better I will say like this is a yeah. pattern that I think is maybe like for maybe two or three years I've been moving out of it but I just start adding more things so I've never met a projector. It's like, so usually when we start to work together, it's like, okay, what we have to do, we were just starting to build space and start to value space in the day. And as we build in space, the first thing projectors do are like, oh my God, I got a whole hour. Let me fill that with like, like they just won't let the hour be the hour. Right. Yeah. Um, but it feels like death to the nervous system because productivity feels like what saves my life. And so it it is a moving into that. And they are you have what is called the pressure sandwich in your chart and you have three entirely open centers, which is the reason why you have this, like, I'm going to die if there's space in my day and I have to fill it. And I don't know what to do, which we can talk about strategies, you know, sort of offline. That probably won't be interesting to other people, but, um, but yeah, that, you know, that all makes sense. And so that's the work of moving back into a projector and they call it, you know, as soon as you see your human design chart, they say, you know, it's a seven year journey to move back, let go of the stuff that's not yours, allow the nervous system to move with you and yeah. uh, for all of it to feel easeful. And at the beginning, I was like, seven years, I'm going to do this in one. <laughs> <laughs> and then now I'm in like my fourth year and it's like, oh, yeah, it is a seven year journey. Yeah, I <laughs> believe in that. Your, it's like you get layers and layers. And now in my you know, going into my fourth year, I'm like, oh, all the stuff that I thought that I, I had gotten in the first year that I thought I understood about myself. It's like completely was not, you know, didn't understand it. But let I don't know if we have time to get into just the new, like one of your nutrition principles. Yeah, no, let's think, get into some nutrition uh, digestion stuff because I think that's really yeah. applicable and it speaks to yeah. the part of the mind that wants to hear something. Yeah. Um, and then I know there's so much more, but. So much more. Yeah. Um, so what I think is really interesting, so the, the biggest when you get into using you, your human design, the biggest thing is, who am I, who am I not, 
How am I meant to be using my energy successfully? How do I know how to make a decision from my body and not all mm. the agendas up in my mind? Right. Um, is a huge part, huge journey. And then underneath the chart, there's like four layers underneath the chart. Um, so it's like the, the surface chart that you see is sort of your mechanics. And this is really, again, so helpful for that muddy part of the journey is like, here's your black and white mechanics. Here's your feedback the specific feedback you're going to get when you're doing it or not doing it. So now you have this very clear set of tools that you can use and know if you're using them or not versus like, I'm a Pisces, but I love the concept. It doesn't help me. I don't, I don't know if I'm doing Pisces, you know, correctly or not. Right. right? But right. there's no tools, but when we get underneath the chart, there's, there are systems around um, like now, how do we take care of this energetic and physical being that you are? And how do we understand the psychology that has been running a lot of your life? And how do we get into like really, really nuanced stuff? And so the first stop on the health sort of conversation in human design is dig what people call digestion, or it's known as determination. And this is, again, it's a whole different food conversation, because we're not really talking about what we're often talking about how we're not talking about right. macros, are you meant to be vegan? Are you meant to be paleo? Although there are some of that, those aspects in the chart. But this is really it's like, looking at information, looking at food as, as energy and information, and what is the proper exchange? How is my vehicle nourished? And so for you, you are actually what is called cold thirst. And so you're a being who thrives with cold food and liquids constantly running. I never system. stopped drinking. Again, I have a weird, I love that you're saying this because I sometimes have like a weird, especially on a busy work day, I drink through the entire Yeah, warm day. or cold? Uh, mostly cold. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. A bit of warm for sure. Yeah. But like I've got cold herbal tea and ice water on my desk right now. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that is, and we can have food is the part of us that is the most conditioned, right? We have the most programming around food. And so it can feel confronting, but this is, I think it also speaks to, because one of the things we need to be able to learn to do in the toxic wellness world is we need to be able to navigate the tools and the information and what is for me and what is not for me. And so if we take a cold thirst person, and so you're somebody who and most, the majority of people in human design, there is no specific recipe of foods. Like there's no specific, oh, you need to like be food paleo. list. There's right. no specific food list that's beneficial. It's more of a how. Which I and love so, because right? I think that that's so key to getting out of the old programming. Out of the old programming. Yeah. Out of the, like it's, and so it's a whole different thing. So, but if we think of a cold third, per, cold thirst person, it's actually very common for them to be identified with like, no, I'm a cozy, warm person. I love that because, you know, our first conditioning for food is warm breast milk. And then we know that, oh, warm means nourishment. So we've got that going in even before we we're conscious of anything. But but then we can use that idea of like your vehicle is nourished. It's your number one nourishment principle for your vehicle is cold foods cool. and fluids. And then we can look at the contrast of that because- you know, especially somebody who's like not identifying or like that is wrong. I will, I hate cold foods, but they're designed as a cold food person. It's like, well, A, we're going to look at the fact of, you know, where you're programmed. We're going to move into that. You're going to experiment with that. It's like, try on a day of like, what are the cold foods you already love? Most cold thir thirst people love cold leftovers. Leftovers is like one of my favorite yeah. 
Thing. And then maybe learned, oh, I should heat this up for my family or, oh, I should heat this up because, you know, Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic, and then they're, they're moving away from themselves. But so just starting to learn to move into that, if it feels confronting huh. for people and then noticing the difference between the contrast. And so if you do have really favorite hot meals and cozy meals, it's like, leave that be at the moment, start to build in the stuff that you like, the stuff that already works for you. But then start to notice the contrast between when I'm on cold fluids and foods, what's my brain capacity? What's my energy, you know, authentic so, so energy level? Yeah. So here's something interesting that when my digestion act, acts up, I'm realizing that one of the things that I often do is I turn to cold juices. And so I'm realizing yeah. just as we have this conversation that I wonder if the power is not necessarily. That's in where I was going next. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'll do that, right? I, like I said to yeah. Jamie, literally yesterday, we had been at a party on um, Saturday night. And so I woke up in the morning and my stomach was a little off. And I said, I think I have got to go get some celery juice and some whatever. Yep. But I wonder if it's actually just like, would I get the same benefit from just... So so that's where I was going next. But 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 just to sort of put a um, sort of a proviso on here is like, even when we learn we're cold thirst and this is the ideal way that we can operate... You're not meant to force that on yourself. You are meant to right. start where you are, right? And then move into it, experiment with it, find, let your body vet it for you. Like what happens when I do this and what happens when I do this versus forcing yourself into something. But then here's the nuance when you're trying to vet the world of information out there. So like you just said, we've got a cold thirst person and then you've got, you're drinking the like celery juice or you're juicing or like the raw food and it's like so we look at the influencers who are thriving on that and it's like are they thriving because of the enzymes because it's mucusless because of the mineral salts and the celery juice or are they thriving because of the temperature and cold pizza out of the fridge would do, <laughs> exactly do the same, the same thing, thing. <laughs> but yeah, we're tying ourselves in knots but then and then on the other side of that equation is we've got the the person who is not cold thirst and they might actually trying be hot to juice thirst themselves. and right. they're trying to juice and making it's making things worse or it's not helping. And then they're, you know, feeling like they're failing again. And so it's really interesting to be able to have just a whole different lens to look at, you know, why is that working for that person and not for me? And to have a whole different decision making process of actually who I am and what I need. And then in the same way, it's like for you to look at you know, if you were considering sauna versus, and I know you're into the cold plunge, but if you were looking at sauna therapies versus cold therapies, cold therapy is likely more supportive for you versus somebody telling you, oh, you have to do sauna for X, Y, Z, because this, it does this, this, and this, your body is likely going to respond better to the cold. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's so many more things I could talk to you about this, like yeah. human design, we could talk about for forever, but what I really hope people are taking from this is just this approaching health and well-being and how we manage our energy which is such a huge piece of the health equation right like so yep. many people it's like why do you want to eat better why do you want to take care of yourself it's like i need more energy so i think that i think we can hear from this like just i mean i think we probably have to have this conversation again yeah um have you back on to talk about even more but i think we're getting this flavor for how we can start approaching this in a really different way, yeah. which I find so exciting. Yeah. The problem's never the problem. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Okay, back three really, three really quick questions yeah. that I always ask people when they're on the show and then I will let you go. First yeah. is anything that you're doing right now that feels really amazing to you. That's making you feel amazing in your body. 
Um, I would say whatever I'm doing, I let it be easier. So when, when my mind wants to go to that place of like, it just starts to ratchet up to like, okay, you know, and I can still see myself get triggered and try to do things. And then always recognizing that what is true for me is going to feel like home. It's going to feel like an exhale. There's going to be no white knuckle in it. And so being able to, um, to do, to do less. Anything that you're eye rolling at these days when it comes to the health and wellness world? What am I not (laughs) eye rolling? (laughs) I think that one of the things that's toughest for me is you sort of mentioned it earlier on is the uh, watching the patient blaming. And so when somebody is not using or responding to a practitioner's plan and through my whole health journey, it was, I was constantly told is you don't want it bad enough. You're making excuses when you actually want to heal, you'll do the work and and all that stuff versus looking back at um, this is not the information that this person needs right now. And even in the end, if that plan is that person is what that person needs, but they're not able to get to that plan, then the work is one step back from that plan. Like how, how come they can't use that information? So, um, and I see that so much in the ND community of like, when my protocol, when you're not compliant or you don't follow my protocol or you don't get the results, I think you should be getting, it's like, um, patient blaming, but it was in every industry I was in every industry. Yes. Agree. Agree. Um, Anything, and this, I think that this totally applies to the human design. Some people are really shocked by it, but I don't think you will be by this question. Like anything that you're doing that from the outside by conventional standards would be considered unhealthy, but you know, like puts you in your zone of genius or like makes you feel really good. Uh, I'd say anything Bravo related, (laughs) 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 which I judged for so long, but it's actually quite medicinal for me. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason it's so popular, right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And what's also interesting is, is, you know, once you know who you are and what you're doing, why you're making decisions, some days that is not medicinal for me. And some days it is medicinal for me. Right. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much. Like I said, I feel like we have to have you on because there's so much more to talk about, but I just really appreciated this perspective. Hey, so fun. Great. Have a, have a good day. You too. Bye. All right. That's it for me today. If you are listening when this episode goes live on January 5th, I just want to say congrats. You have almost made it through the first week of 2023. I hope you're doing well. I hope this episode gives you new perspective and inspiration and motivation for how you look at and approach your body and health and even your intentions for 2023 as you move into it. Seeing what is magical and right about you as opposed to constantly being fixated on all that we believe is wrong about ourselves. If you love the episode, share it, share it, share it, share it. Share it with four people, five people that you think would really love it, and then go to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen and be sure to rate and review the episode. Okay, that's it for me. Have a great day.